It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, thanks for coming back. Final hour of the week on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Great week this week. Bizarre week. A lot of different topics from F1, the Final Four, the Raiders at the Breakers. And everything that was happening at the owners' meeting, Bruce Arians and his sudden, not retirement, but getting kicked upstairs, that was a massive story. The Lakers collapse, what we've seen with the Lakers, again, losing last night in Utah, a very underrated week. And the Golden Knights, hey, what about the Golden Knights and the way they put together three in a row and what they're doing in Seattle and what they need to do going forward there, so I enjoyed this week, and as we begin this hour, and we got a good hour lined up, Kirk Morrison will join us, former Raider linebacker, coming up here momentarily. Looking forward to talking to him. Want to thank the teammates here that we have on Raider Nation Radio, everybody that was back at the Breakers who was on the radio here with us, from Heidi Fang to Vinny Bonsignor to everybody that was back there from the Raiders' side, Eddie, Eddie Pascal and the digital team. They all got us a lot of good sound and content that we needed. We needed, this is the off season. A lot of the signings went down and we had a tremendous amount of sound that was cut up from Damon and Bobby and Clay and everybody working behind the scenes to try to give us the content that you deserve here on the flagship of the Raiders. As we're brought to you this hour by Doghouse Inside Resorts World. I'm usually in Resorts World at some point over the weekend. Check out their sports book, Inside Doghouse where we're going to be doing a lot with them this year, and we are really excited about that. So I mentioned Dave Ziegler and what was going on with Josh McDaniels. The big takeaway all week long was patience. Vinny wrote a column about it. A lot of Raider fans were talking about this beautiful offseason, all the additions to the team. And it's been a lot for Raider fans to take in because a lot of Raider fans liked the team last year, team that won 10 games. There was a tragedy with Henry Ruggs killing Tina Tintor. That's a story that popped up again this week with an article. Uh, John Gruden, a lot of fans of John Gruden as he stepped down and resigned as head coach. A lot of fans of Rich Passaccia, the interim head coach, friend of the show that took the team to the playoffs. Gus Bradley, go through all the coaches that were not retained to bring in Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziggler, staff. And Raider fans have been on a really big roller coaster of a lot of different emotions. And I think a lot of Raider fans get the big picture now. This is a business. People move on. People move on with their lives, with their families, and you wish them well. We wish Yannick Ngakwe well. Everybody that's been let go by the Raiders, Alec Ingold. We want him to do great things. Zay Jones got a big payday in Jacksonville, and he deserves it. And then all the new players that came in. I have the list in front of me. Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams. We're going to find out more about Brandon Parker being retained and what his goals are going to be here. Bilal Nichols comes in from the Bears. Deron Harmon, really looking to see what Brandon Bolden can do, the running back from the Patriots. Jacob Johnson, the fullback from there. Man, that running back room with the Patriots. Alex Bars on the offensive line. What can we get out of him? Because the Raiders need another offensive lineman. Vernon Butler, the defensive tackle of the Bills. 
And then we found out about Demarcus Robinson, who's put up a lot of highlight reels against the Raiders. Jacob Hollister at tight end. And this list has expanded with the Raiders now really cleaned up their roster here in the offseason. We don't know who's going to be retained. We mentioned Clee Farrell, other players, Trayvon Mullen. We know that Trayvon Merrig, a good young player, should be here. What about Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs long-term? There are question marks. Alex Leatherwood and the offensive line. I think the only question mark I have, and I'm supposed to talk to the GM next week, is what are they going to do with the offensive line, Leatherwood? What are they going to do to try to tweak it and make it a little bit better with all the players that are still out there? And as I sit here today and I look at the top free agents that are still available, wink, wink, there's a couple of good players that can fit in with the Raiders nicely. And you only need one. You only need one out of these four or five players that are still on the board. The price is dropping significantly enough where the Raiders can jump in and get one. So I'm excited. This is about as excited as I could be considering all the ups and downs of last year, which I was super positive because the Raiders made the playoffs. They won 10 games. They won 10 games, and they were peaking at the right time winning those final four games. So this is going to be a very busy offseason. Quickly before our guest, I'm going to get with Aaron Torres later on this hour on the final four. Spent a lot of time on that this week, and it didn't hit. It's not, I'm not upset about it. I just don't think college basketball is as hyped up the way it used to be because of college football. Start a baseball season right around the corner. Uh, everybody here likes the Golden Knights, the Raiders offseason news. But everybody, this is a big one. Coach K on Saturday night against North Carolina. Where are you going to be? I suggest if you're not in a sports book, please go to one of the 64 PTs in the Valley here. PTs are going to be locked and loaded. The SG bar is probably where I'm going to be Saturday night at the top of 215 in Flamingo. That's the must-see TV game that I'm excited about. Sunday's my wife's birthday. Excited for my wife on her birthday the last two years. If you've had an April birthday during COVID, you know what I'm talking about. Two years of April have not been good for April birthdays with COVID. Now we got a good opportunity to celebrate this weekend. The Grammys are on. Uh, next hour, I'll be heading out to First Friday. Going to go down to La Comida, downtown, see my buddies down there, toast a few, and get ready for a great weekend of weather, golf, college basketball, the Grammys. It should be absolutely fantastic, everything that we have lined up. And then next week, we're going to come back here on Monday, a little bit of Monday. I'm assuming Coach K is going to win. If he does, he'll be playing Monday night. I'll have a guest or two leading up to that. And that'll be the national championship game. And then back to Raiders football. Uh, doing a show in the building next week. Oh, yeah, and the draft. The draft coverage that we'll be doing with Remy Martin, Modelo, Grimaldi's, all of our proud partners and the new ones that we're adding heading into the draft. I hope we're fired up. Draft's got to be big. Got to be huge. Find out where you're going to be. Follow us on Raider Nation Radio, LV Sports Network. Q's got a big remote coming up today. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, the entire team, we are going to hit the ground hard on the draft. I'm going to be working close with the M Resort, Spawn Casino with the Raiders. So we're going to have a couple of announcements coming up here, I would think, in the next two weeks about where we'll be. But just get down to the Strip. My friends at the Black Hole are having a big party at the Tropicana. I'm going to slide by. And anywhere you are on the Strip, the month of April should lead up to where you're going to be the Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the NFL draft, along with hockey, hopefully, too, as we're making that desperate push for the playoffs. And we talked to Shane Knighty this week about that. 
All right, so Kirk Morrison, one of my favorite Raiders over the years, as you know, former linebacker, eight years. Now he's doing great work for ESPN in Los Angeles, college football work, work on Sirius XM. He's a man on a bunch of different platforms, and he's kind enough to join us here. Kirk, I want to start off with the big story this week before we get into some Raider news. Bruce Arians and what you saw with the timeline, anything alarming or surprising to you with Bruce Arians stepping down as head coach in Tampa Bay? Uh, What's up, JT? Always great to be with you, my friend. Um, Am I uh, surprised? No, not really surprised. Um, I felt that, honestly, we've heard the reports. And obviously, I'm always one of those guys where there's smoke, there's fire. And I know that Bruce and Tom have kind of, you know, kind of put some water on those fire and on those flames a little bit. But there still still seemed to be that there was something always there. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tom unretires. And it kind of tells me that maybe Tom Brady didn't want to retire in the beginning. He was just kind of, you know what, I'm going to walk away and kind of call the Buccaneers bluff possibly. And all of a sudden he unretires, and then two weeks later Bruce Arians is no longer the coach. I think that there is some more there. Will we ever know, JT? Honestly, I don't believe it, man. I think that we won't find out truly what happened. But at the end of the day, a great opportunity for Todd Bowles, a great opportunity, I think, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to still um, you know, be one of the top teams in the NFC, to possibly get back to a Super Bowl. So I think all is well, but definitely still not really surprised at the way it went down because we kind of sent something was going on with Bruce Arians. Well, when you're working on the Rams broadcast and they're the world champs and that game in Tampa Bay was a classic. And when you look at and people were talking, Kirk, about possibly and few rumors out there that Tom didn't like the Bucks. They weren't buttoned up enough the second half of the year or maybe the structure there. You remember when those conversations were happening in L.A. and when you're on NFL radio, did you sense that at the time that maybe Brady wanted it a little bit more structured or was that no big deal because as long as Brady's structured, that offense and that team's going to be ready to go. Yeah, I think it was still, you know, when you heard the rumors, it was more of, I would always say it's a lot of guys who got a little bit complacent. And the one thing that Tom Brady has always had when he was in New England was that Bill Belichick ran a tight ship. And if you weren't falling in line, you were gone. And the one thing that we can look at when it came to Tampa Bay was that a lot of those guys that won a championship, and we all know about that championship hangover that many teams have. And guys got a little loose. And you saw it at the end of a game. Defensively, they lost to the Rams because they didn't execute down the stretch defensively after Tom Brady had a great comeback in the offense. And so I think a lot of that kind of played into it possibly. And they made a switch. And obviously Todd Bowles is – the way that he runs his team, a little bit tighter ship than maybe than Bruce Arians ran. But, you know, you also have to throw in, you know, Bruce Arians and some of his health concern. Or he tore his Achilles tendon or almost tore his Achilles tendon last year uh, on the sideline. So he's been a little ginger as well. But, you know, look, he's going to be in the front office. He'll be around the organization. But at the end of the day, I think we all know this. Tom Brady is the associate head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he could be the first player coach, by the way, or one of the, from the first – uh, player coaches in the modern era, right, in the uh, in the 2000s. Because, honestly, look, it's Byron Leftwich and also Tom Brady who run the offense now as, you know, Todd Bowles will be the defensive coordinator slash head coach. So it's kind of funny that maybe Tom Brady also got an extra title with, Tom, uh, with Bruce Arians moving to the front office. 
Yeah, Kirk Morrison's our guest, great NFL insider, college football insider. So I'll go around with a couple of hot storylines recently. What do you think of the Raiders, your former team, getting Devontae Adams on top of Chandler Jones? It started off slow in free agency, and all of a sudden the Raiders pounced, and they pounced big in the AFC West and added a whole bunch of other players that comes from that Patriot way in New England that are ending up now in Vegas. Hey, uh, I would say F them picks, right? I mean, that's been the mantra <laughs> in terms of this offseason. The Raiders don't didn't need picks. They gave them away. They said, look, Devontae Adams is a wide receiver in which we need. And, and, and the, the crazy thing about it is how many years has Josh McDaniels been in New England? And they haven't had a top-flight receiver since, what, Randy Moss? And you saw what the offense looked like when the Patriots had Randy Moss, one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen in NFL history. I think for the first time, uh, Dave Ziegler, along with Josh McDaniels, we got to go out and get a guy like that. Where I think Belichick probably would kind of be standoffish on that. Ziegler and McDaniels went out and grabbed Devontae Adams to go along with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, obviously the two backs. Um, you know, a young Brian Edwards. I mean, the Raiders are stacked offensively. And then, oh, by the way, let's go out and get a tag team partner with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I think that the Raiders are really, really improved. And I'm still kind of scratching my head, JT, though, because you're out there in Vegas, right? Help me out. Vegas only has the Raiders winning eight and a half games. I just don't yep. see it. This is at least a 10-plus win. So, um, whenever I, my fly in, pick me up from the airport so I can get to the casino and maybe lay a couple <laughs> coins down because I just don't know how this team is only supposed to win eight and a half games. I just think that they vastly improved in an area that I think is consistent pass rush, but I think offensively giving Derek Carr some weapons. And for me, Fabian Moreau, man, that's going to be the guy that we have to think about is the, uh, is the tight end. He's going to be a guy, I think, I mean, sorry, Foster Moreau, not baby, Faye yeah. the defensive back, but Foster uh, Moreau, is, I think, is going to be a guy who is definitely going to be uh, big time in this two-tight-end set of Josh McDaniel. So, I mean, kudos to what they've done, and I think they've really put themselves as a true contender in the AFC, not just the AFC West. I think they're a contender in the AFC. Kirk Morrison, you're right about that. Bet MGM has, and along with other books, has Denver at 105 and the Chargers at 10.5. Denver has lost their last four games to the Raiders. The Chargers didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, it was shocking when I saw that. Let's move to the Chargers getting Khalil Mack, and then J.C. Jackson missed an interception. That's pretty big for them. I mean, that defense defense got torn apart in a couple of big games, and they got Justin Herbert, who's one of the best young quarterbacks I've ever seen. I was amazed that they got both of those studs. And all I'm going to say is prove it. You know, you've got the talent, right? Every year has been an excuse so far for Justin Herbert. He's a great talent, but he's been a great talent, but, well, the butts are over with, right? We, we, I want to see him go out and produce. He's kind of similar to Derek Carr, I think, because everyone kept saying, can Derek Carr get it done, get it done? And I thought that Derek Carr had one of his best seasons without some of his top weapons and took his team to the playoffs. Justin Herbert hasn't done that. And I know it's only been two seasons, but still, though, I want to see those guys go out and prove it and show – that they can make the playoffs, that they could be a winning football team uh, for a consistent winning football team, I should say. Because when you look at it, yes, they went out and got Khalil Mack, uh, who's worked with Brandon Staley before. They went out and got J.C. Jackson. But are those guys going to win you games? No, it's going to be the quarterback. It's going to be the offense. And hopefully the head coach doesn't get in the quarterback's way when it comes to fourth down decisions. So 
there's a lot still for the Chargers to prove. Have they upgraded in some areas? Yes. But at the end of the day, they got to win more games for me before I uh, put them upon uh, upon the uh, hierarchy of the AFC. Finally, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. I think the world to him as a player. I think he is at the doorstep for the Hall of Fame. He might be in there already. If he catches another playoffs and another ring or a deep playoff run, I think that easily puts him over the top. How, Kirk, how are the Rams doing it, the team that you're covering very close in L.A.? How are they pulling this off with the money, the guarantees, the signing bonuses, working this cap? Allen Robinson added to this team along with the great Bobby Wagner. They might be better than the team that walked off the field winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I would say this. The Rams do a really good job in drafting in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, and they don't get enough credit for that. They really don't because – the one thing I can say in the NFL, you have your studs, right? Your players, your guys, your you know, perennial Hall of Fame players. And the Rams have a couple of those guys on offense, a couple of guys of those on defense. But they surround them with, I think, some of the best talent in the draft that no one talks about yet every year. What do you see with the Rams, JT? They get compensatory pick after compensatory pick yeah. because their draft picks end up going elsewhere after four years because the Rams don't have enough money to pay them. They go somewhere else, and they make a ton of money. That being said, they bring in Bobby Wagner to help out a young Ernest Jones. He was their rookie linebacker, and I think you can learn a lot from a Bobby Wagner who's still got a lot of juice, I think, left in the tank, and he's motivated, right? He'll get a chance to play the Seahawks twice a year now in that NFC West. So the Rams are doing it. I don't look at the total value of a contract. I look at the guaranteed money. So this truly could be just a two-year deal for Bobby mm-hmm. Wagner, and then when we get to year three, which we'll see about it. But I never look at the balloon payments because the Rams seem to get out of all of those contracts. But at the end of the day, they go for it. They give their fan base a, a ton to be excited about, and they're the defending champions for a reason. And you mentioned it. I think they, they're a better team than they probably were just a couple what weeks ago when they won Super Bowl 56. Thanks, Kirk. I'll see you out here for the draft. I know you'll be in Vegas. You're always at the big events, uh, not only for Sirius, but obviously for ESPN, what you do in L.A. Looking forward to catching up with you real soon here. How are the Raiders supposed to host a draft, and yet they don't pick until <laughs> the, the end of the second day? Man. <laughs> hey, you got you to line with the you got to line with the owner and everybody else. Find, maybe you can convince them to trade into the first round so we can have 700,000 to 800,000 people on the strip enjoy that draft, all right? All right, man, we're going to have a ball, man. Thursday night, April 28th, we're going to celebrate Devontae Adams because he is our the first-round pick of the Raiders. So we'll have fun doing that. How about that? Thanks to Kirk Morrison. How great is that? As he could wrap up our week here as we continue our final week. Kirk's great. He's always here. Never forget when he introduced me to his dad, a season ticket holder in Oakland, who's so proud of his son. A kid from Oakland that made it big at San Diego State, got to the NFL, became a captain for the Raiders. Now he's doing great in the media, and we see him out here a lot at alumni events. All right, when we come back, uh, Ashley's going to join us from Sam and Ash. Looking forward to talking to her. And then uh, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports on what's going to happen here with the Final Four weekend. One more Final Four push as we continue on a Friday. Hopefully enjoy this great weekend of weather, this great opportunity to be a Raider fan with all the great coverage from our team that was back in Palm Beach giving you this great exclusive content on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
Fools Friday, first Friday here. April Fools, however you want to look at it, weather's great. Get on out. I'm heading downtown to the Arts District. Going to get outside with my wife, enjoy the weather. Have a great weekend and be in the building next week with the Silver and Black. And hopefully we got some great new content as we move forward with our look at the Raiders draft of the 80s. And I'm excited to tell you about that, but we'll get to that on Monday. I'll probably tweet it out over the weekend. Final four, something I have to get to here because it's important. This is an epic weekend, Saturday to see Duke in North Carolina in what could be Coach K's finale. He's making his 13th Final Four appearance to move into sole possession of first place, passing John Wooden at 12. Remember, much tougher for Coach K to get to the Final Four than Coach Wooden because Coach Wooden didn't have that level of competition nor the amount of games. Fact, not fiction. Nothing Taking nothing away from Coach Wooden. I have his pyramid of success right in front of me in my studio. Love him. But this is huge here because this is a game where North Carolina could ruin Duke in the rivalry. And again, remember the curse of the Bambino in baseball? 86 years that the Yankees owned the Red Sox. And then the Yankees had a three-game-to-none lead, 3 nothing, And never before the Red Sox came back one four in a row. It killed the curse of the Bambino. And that rivalry doesn't have to deal with that issue anymore. If North Carolina wins this game, period, they own the rivalry going forward because the Coach K won't have a 500 record. He'll have a 500 record. He won't have a winning record against Carolina, which will be big. And he'll have lost his last two and the last game in Cameron and in the Final Four. Anybody, any reasonable person would give North Carolina the advantage in that rivalry. And maybe it can change in the next couple of years, of course, but not going to change anytime soon. Hubert Davis is really in a good spot. He is one of only two people to play and coach in the Final Four with the same school. He won in 1991 with North Carolina a team that lost in the semifinal. Remember that. But he was there. He played. The only other person to make a Final Four as a player and coach at the same school was Dick Harp, who played in 1940 and coached in 1957, runner-up teams with Kansas. So this is a big deal. Remember, Davis also was an assistant coach for Roy Williams' staff when Carolina reached the NCAA Final in 2016 and won the title in 2017. He was on that staff. And that's a really big deal. Brady Manick, who came from Oklahoma, and Lon Kruger, Lon's big here in Vegas, I think is a difference maker in that game. I like Duke to win and cover. I've had Duke to get it done. Uh, joining us is my good friend. Formerly worked with him at a previous network on Fox. He does a great job. Aaron Torres joins us on this Friday as we get Final Four into the show, which I'm thrilled about. Aaron, great to talk to you, my friend. Continued success as we begin Let's start off, I just said Duke, North Carolina. Could this go down as the greatest rivalry game ever in the history of the Final Four? How do you see it? So let me ask you, JT, you know, you being a uh, sports uh, nut, I was thinking this, would that be the ultimate trump card in the Duke-Carolina rivalry if Carolina can win that game? In other words, like, I feel like you can lose 30 straight to Duke, but if you, if you get the one in the Final Four to end Coach K's career... What are they going to do? Oh, we beat you on a random February in 2026. Yeah, we ended Coach K's career. Who cares? That's what I feel like. Am I crazy? No, I think you're exactly right. The only thing bigger is all the North Carolina national championships because if this was a final, 
then it would be that would be it. It would be over forever. Ever. There'd be no recovery from Duke. But the fact that it's a semifinal game and North Carolina can win to even the all-time series with Coach K and knock them out again and do this and beat them for the only time they've ever played in the tournament, but they'd still have to win the national championship. But, yeah, Aaron, it's as big as it gets. I can't believe we're lucky enough, you do this for a living, so do I, to have a game like this to preview with so much pressure on Coach K and Duke, a team that looks like they're ready to win it all. Well, you're right, and it's, you know, like you said, a a privilege as just a sports fan, and it's funny because I was on air, um, you know, when the Duke-Arkansas game went final, and in my head, I kind of thought it was an interesting talking point of who would you rather see, Duke versus Carolina in the ultimate Duke-Carolina game or Duke versus St. Peter's in the ultimate – um, ultimate David versus Goliath. And, you know, I, I ran it by my on-air partner, and within about 30 seconds of me trying to convince myself that St. Peter's Duke would be pretty cool, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We need Duke Carolina in New Orleans. So, no, it, it's just it's going to be so much fun, and there's so much at stake. And what's really cool, too, JT, and you know this, is that, you know, I love this sport, but in general, that early game – there's one team that, if we're honest, like nobody really cares about. I, I hate to be rude to Loyola Chicago and George Mason and whoever, some of these other teams that have made it, to have two other just elite programs. I know Villanova's a little bit banged up, but they've been about as consistent as anybody the last decade. Uh, Kansas has obviously been incredible, you know, basically since, <laughs> since college basketball was invented. I think that's the fun part of it all, too, is the idea that we get that Duke-Carolina nightcap, but sometimes that first game, you sit there and say, hey, what about that one? Am I really that excited? No, we're, we're going to be excited about both those games. Four, obviously, uh, marquee programs, three Hall of Fame coaches, all that good stuff. Aaron Torres is our guest. So my son goes to Oklahoma, and I saw Brady Manick play for Lon Kruger sure. one year, and I said they had the coaching change, and I thought he was the best player on the court in Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma. He goes in yeah. the transfer portal, and at times he's the best player for North Carolina. Is this one of the first – Final Fours, and it'll change the rest of our lives. Well, we'll see players from the year before in the transfer portal taking a very good team to the Final Four because they added two players who just felt like they wanted to transfer for whatever reason. Well, you know, JT, it's such a great point. By the way, I would add, Kansas, I don't think gets to the Final Four without Remy Martin, their fifth-year guy from Arizona State. But it's such a great point, and I would say this, is that you know, when, when the transfer stuff all kind of became a topic the last three, four years, and it felt like we were trending towards the one-time transfer, you know, I wasn't a fan for some of the reasons that are, that are going on now. One, I think it's hurting high school kids. Two, on top of that, I would also say, um, you know, there's a lot of tampering going on. But what I would also say is sometimes when a kid transfers, in the old days, whenever a kid transferred, the public perception was always that it was the kid's fault, that he did something wrong, that he didn't work hard, that he didn't get along with the coach, whatever. Well, Brady Maddox, the perfect example of why sometimes transferring is good. Um, you, you know, Ron Kruger is an all-timer, you know, a, 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 a lot of wins. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, if it's 700, 800, whatever. But you see Brady Manick in this offense, and you realize that I think that he was a little bit underutilized at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, sitting the end of the bench. But at the same time, it's clear that he saw something in himself. He wanted a new opportunity. The crazy part is I don't even know if he decides to take the opportunity if there's not a coaching change. But you see that he was, again, I'm not criticizing a, a, a great coach, but 
you know, you start to see that there was a little bit more to his game than maybe was exposed at, at North Carolina. And so I think it's a great point by you. And I think it's a telling point that, you know, we, we have this notion in our head or we at least didn't, it's not so much anymore, but maybe three, four, five years ago that every time a kid leaves, every time he transfers, he's quitting on the team. And he's no, sometimes there's legitimate reasons to transfer. And I think Brady Manick's a great example of that. Aaron Torres joins us, College Hoop Insider for Fox Sports. Now, the Jay Wright situation is very interesting to me because he quietly gets to the Final Four and wins. He's got two chips. If he gets another one and gets his third, we're talking about him going towards Coach K category. He'll be with Bobby Knight. He'll be blowing by Bill Self, John Calipari, Jim Beheim, Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo yeah. are, are, are we looking at Jay Wright and not giving him enough credit because he could be the best coach out there? We're going to give it to Coach K for clear reasons, but Jay Wright is a legend, and this one – this one would just put him at a level now where he'd be with the all-time greats. Handicap Villanova for me. JT, you know, this was a point that I made on my own podcast. You know, I, I was kind of blown away. And like I said, I went on air Saturday. And, and when you're on air, you know, Duke's the story. I get that, right? But the first game was – it was back and forth. It wasn't a great game. We, we all know it was not a, uh, an exciting, you know, fun game to watch. But I bring it up because – Villanova wins, and it's just like, oh, you know, there's Villanova. Another Final Four for Villanova. All right, we're on to Duke. Uh, so, Duke, Coach K, is this the last game? And it's like, whoa, wait a second. That team just made their third Final Four in the last six NCAA tournaments, and we're just glossing it over as if they beat, you know, uh, uh, DePaul on a Tuesday night here. Can we give the man a little bit of credit? So, you know, I am so on board with you. And I think, weirdly, I, I think he's become a little bit underrated where – I think part of it is, you know, I, I, he's not a – while he's got kind of that, that cool air, you know, cool confidence to him, he's not a, a big, big, big personality. He's not yelling at refs. He's not yelling at the media. Uh, I've had a chance to interview him two or three times. You know, he's been nothing but gracious with me. Um, and I'm not saying that, that – like, I'm not praising him because of that. But what I'm saying is he's not that guy that creates his own headlines. Coach K does that. John Calipari does that. There's other guys. Izzo does that at times. Bayheim does that, not being afraid to say unpopular things. And so I don't know if it's that. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the Villanova not being on ESPN, you know, the, the worldwide leader in sports has no reason to really give them the credit that they deserve and the coverage mm-hmm. that they deserve. I don't know exactly what it is, man, but I am so on board with you that I get there. Coach K is the story here and Duke Carolina is the story, but can we give Jay Wright just a little, I mean, three final fours in, in again, three final fours in six tournaments, four since 2009. I mean, like you said, he's, he's really already established himself and he's really encroaching on a lot of really, really cool stuff here. Historically. Aaron Torres, as we wrap it up from Fox sports, finally, is the country ready for this? Because we're dominated by LeBron. The NFL is king. We got the owners' meetings. There's unbelievable movement. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers. Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. Tom Brady's there. We look at all the big sports that are happening around us. College basketball isn't college football. You cover college football. It's not Alabama. It's not Clemson. It's not LSU at times. This has got to hit. Man, this is Coach K. This is North Carolina. They've never played once in the tournament. I'm not here to predict ratings. I'm not one of these ratings guys and said it's going to get this type of rating. But this has got to be a moment for CBS. This has got to be a signature moment in college basketball history. Memorable because of Coach K, North Carolina, and what's at stake for Coach K. Do you think it will deliver even bigger than you expect it to? 
I will say this. I, I think the tournament, and I'm not being Mr. College Basketball Homer, I think the tournament itself has delivered. And what I would say is, as somebody who hosts national radio, listen, when the Tyreek Hill story breaks, that takes over the headlines for the next 24 hours. I get that. The Devontae Adams thing. I was on air when Deshaun Watson was – I was on air when Deshaun – when Baker Mayfield demanded a trade and the Browns said, oh, we're not trading you because we don't have an alternative. And then I was on air 24 hours later when they traded for Deshaun Watson and apparently they did have an alternative. So, you know, I, I'm never going to sit here and say that – you know, guys like you and I shouldn't or won't or 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 it be disingenuous. Like we're going to cover Deshaun Watson and Tyreek Hill. What I've also noticed is that when the games start, that feels like it takes center stage, with the one exception being Tom Brady retiring, <laughs> unretiring the day the bracket comes out. And so, assuming Tom Brady doesn't retire again or Aaron Rodgers retire again on Saturday night. I think it's going to be a great week for college basketball. And, and there's going to be stories throughout this week. There's still free agency stuff. I mean, the Tyreek Hill stuff popped out of nowhere, so who's to say something else won't pop up? Um, and listen, it's not going to be wall-to-wall 24 hours. The NFL is king. The NBA is going off, you know, get, getting down to the home stretch here. And another thing, too, JT, and I'm sure we got to run here. I'll try to be quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, this is the first tournament where we have fans in the stands, where we will have commentators on set. I think when, when, when you see the ESPN set, the CBS set on Bourbon Street, people walking around, I think you'll start to get a feel for how big this is. This is the first time in three years we've had a normal tournament, and I'm so glad that America gets to remember, even if it is only for three weeks, how awesome this event is. Thank you, my friend. Good to reconnect with you. Enjoy the tournament, Final Four, and Monday, and I'll hope to see you real soon. All right. Thanks, JT. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you. Appreciate Aaron jumping in here, getting him in here on a Friday. And hopefully you're going to watch this. You know, I'm down on the Final Four this week on my other show because I just didn't get a lot of feedback. Every night I tried to talk about it, tried a little bit on this show just to put it out there because it's big. And I just don't feel the feel back, uh, the, the, the pushback like we did. Look, I wasn't here when UNLV went to back-to-back national championship games, but I've heard what it was like here. And it's not at that level anymore. College basketball is getting knocked down by college football, not only the NFL. So this is an important one. This, this Saturday night Duke-Carolina game has the ability to be the biggest story of the year. It does. If Coach K wins and wins on Monday, this will propel him. If he loses, I mean, it's cover of Sports Illustrated type stuff, and it is a dagger from Carolina to the Dukies. I hope Duke pulls it off. 702-365-9200. Uh, when we come back, my good friend Ashley, Ashley Watkins from SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. You know, we talked about F1 coming to town, and they're going to be speeding down the strip. And this is going to happen in November of 2023. Ashley reportedly is a big fan of that. So we'll ask her about that, and we'll talk to her about law with speeding in this town. I still believe Vegas, and I love living here, is one of the worst speeding cities I've ever lived in. And I've lived in a lot of cities. We'll get her perspective coming up next Friday right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. We want to talk about that last drive, but I have to start with, uh, can you tell us what happened to Antonio Brown? Did he quit? I've never seen a guy leave a field like that, and is this the last strike for him? He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. JT, back with you Friday as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 
a.m. My good friend Ashley from Sam and Ash joins us. I'm thrilled to talk to her because we line this up with what she does. One of the many things she does best. First Friday. Ashley, how are you? Welcome to a first Friday with your buddy JT. How are you? I'm great, JT. Thanks for having me. It is April Fool's, but it is also first Friday. And so that means we're having our arts district uh, arts fest downtown. So if you're looking for something to do, come join us. I told you the other night, my wife and I went to dinner at Todd English's new hotel and restaurant in the arts district in that area. We passed by uh, your beautiful building and we were in that area and I was just blown away, blown away when I valeted in front and I looked down the entire length of the street I was on, just how it's been redeveloped, how nice it is, how many people are coming downtown and we'll get a chance to see that on first Friday again. I know. I agree. I mean, you said it just with the fact of valet in the arts district, right? <laughs> I mean, we love what's happening in our little neighborhood and it's fabulous. And if you haven't been, the English Hotel has a fabulous restaurant called the Pepper Club. And JT, you went, I, Sam and I are huge fans. It is such a great addition to our community. Absolutely. Ashley Jones of Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. A couple of things as we get going here. The F1 story was such a monster. On my other show on SiriusXM, it was a secret. They had one of the insiders like secretly booked on my show to come on to talk about it the night of. And I was like, I knew this is big. A lot of my friends who love F1 love it now recently because they've seen the Netflix documentary. And everybody is all in now. We get the race in November of 2023. And you were telling me that you're a big fan of F1. Look, I'm like everyone else. I, I fluked into watching Drive to Survive on Netflix a few years ago with the first season, and I fell in love with the sport. It's so interesting. It's so international. And I'm so happy that we are now part of that destination. And so we're going to be an international hotspot again with a whole new fan base. And I can't wait for November 2023. What do you mean by international and reality? Like when the housewives go overseas or go to Costa Rica and they're throwing stuff at each <laughs> reality TV. What was so big about this documentary, which I'm going to consume very quickly here because I just think everybody's telling me it's done so well that sucked everyone in. Was it the sport? Is it the characters? Is it the background of these beautiful cities around the world? So it's a lot of money a lot of characters and it's also fascinating sport where your biggest competitor is your teammate. Mm -hmm. You know, you're given the same identical car, same equipment, and but you're also have the same colors. You're flying the same flag and that's your biggest competitor. And so for me, that's where I got hooked. I thought that was just a fascinating dynamic from an athlete, a, com a competitive sp perspective. So that's where I got hooked. I think the documentary, you know, they still have to provide drama. There's been some backlash on whether or not it's accurate, but it's still fantastic. SamAndAshLaw.com. I have the website in front of me. It is fantastic. Making your injury claim painless. They're the best in town. My personal injury attorneys. Ashley's kind enough to join us. So a couple of things about what's going to happen with this race and how it's going to take over the strip. And we'll tie it into speeding. That's the big topic I wanted to talk about here on Friday. When I get up in the morning and if it's going to the gym or doing something, running errands before the show, I get on the 215 at Town Center. And it's a racetrack. It's literally people on the ramp. When I get on the ramp are trying to pass me speeding. And the only time I see police officers is when they're on the overpass. 
shooting down the radar with me. What happens if you get into a speeding accident on any of these roads out here, but no one can predict the speed because there was no cops there on the scenes. There was no one shooting radar there. And then you get into court and it's a speeding accident. How do you prove what the other driver was doing that injured you? Yeah, great question, JT. Look, speeding and accidents and injuries, fatalities, those all hit home for our town. And it's something that we all can control. Look, you you can get behind a wheel and not drink and drive. And you can also get behind a wheel and drive at a reasonable rate of speed. So please be smart when you are operating a vehicle. But if you get hurt in one of these accidents, one of the things your lawyer can do is preserve all of the vehicles that are involved. And each vehicle now has a little computer. You know, we always hear about the black box in airplanes Mm -hmm. and that's what they want for determining how crashes with airplanes happen but the same is true with vehicles and so we can get all this data on how fast a car was going before an accident so many seconds down to minutes and so it's interesting whether seatbelts were worn whether airbags deployed all of that is stuff that we can figure out as attorneys through investigations and uh, research. So when you're putting a case together and you're defending a client, you have the resources to do all that, to look at the other vehicles, get inside to see what the speeds were. Is that something that has evolved recently with the times? I mean, that didn't exist years ago. Has that been a difference in you winning some cases over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So it's become mandatory in vehicles that are produced after a certain year. So it's something that's becoming more and more relevant. And, you know, but both sides are using it. Insurance companies are trying to access that information to use it against drivers. And so the critical thing is to have a lawyer that can get the information when it helps you and can help hold off the information and make sure insurance companies are only getting access to what they're entitled to when evaluating your claim. Can you imagine the speed Ashley, what it's going to look like on the strip with these F1 vehicles going going around that Harmon turn to get on the backside of the strip, how fast those vehicles are going to be going. Have you thought about the best place to view the race, uh, where it's going to be? Are you already thinking ahead to November 2023? I am. I already submitted my little reservation <laughs> on FormulaOne.com so that someone will reach out to me when tickets are available. I don't know where the best seat in the house will be just yet, uh, but I get goosebumps thinking about how loud it's going to be and how fast it's going to be. And it is so exciting. And it's going to bring such an influx of tourism to our town, which we consistently need. All right. I will be attending my first ever Vegas Nighthawks game in your suite coming up a week from today on Friday the 8th, and uh, I will be there. I'm excited. Tell me what I've been missing. Tell me what the excitement is like and what you've enjoyed so much with this product. Oh, the the Dollar Loan Center is an arena and an experience unlike any other out there, and it has a lot of, it gives a lot of owed to T-Mobile with some of the aspects. You know, it still is a fortress for the Silver Knights, but it is such an intimate and fantastic experience to watch sports. It's accessible price point, but top-notch amenities, and you're going to have a blast. I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, what's it like in and around there, too? Uh, pre-gaming and post-gaming and all of that. We, we're used to doing it, you and I, outside T-Mobile after a Golden Knights game. It seems like yeah. it's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot more evolution coming to the nightlife there in Henderson right outside the arena. Yeah, so it's right there on Green Valley. Uh, the arena has a Craggy Range restaurant, which you can get in. It's open seven days a week. Fabulous food, fabulous pretzel sticks, if anyone mm. needs a, a little tip um mm-hmm. but also green valley you know there's restaurants everywhere all within walking distance so it's fabulous there's stuff to do before and after all of these games 
when Sam of Sam and Ash travels back to the homeland, are you that much more busier? You have an unbelievable team. I've seen your team there. What is the workload like for you? What's this been, week been like for you with your clients, some of the victories, and what you got going into next week? Oh, it's great. You know, Sam's uh, back in Europe, but my schedule does get a little bit more uh, (laughs) hectic because I'm carrying it all, but I love it. And I love everything our team does day in and day out. And you know what? We're just making a difference daily in lives of people that live in Las Vegas and all over that have injury claims based here in Vegas. and, And just that's all it is. That's what it's about, JT. Last one uh, in about 30 seconds. Lakers make the playoffs, backdoor in, or Lakers miss the playoffs and start a long offseason? You know what? I think they're going to miss the playoffs, JT. Uh, They're my team. I love them. I always root for them, but I think they're going to – I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it through. You know, there's so many injuries, and they're they're top-heavy with those stars. Ashley, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you directly. Anyone who gets into an accident, personal injury attorneys, my great friend, how do we get in touch with you? Oh, you can go to the website, samandashlaw.com, or call our number, 702-820-1234. We're here for you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. See you next Friday night. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks, JT. You too. Thanks, Ashley. Appreciate her coming on especially joining us on a Friday, which is her Friday. It's first Friday. I'm going to hopefully see her downtown here later tonight. Good to have them as a supporter of our program and the entire station here. Please go again to SamonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. She's fantastic as we wrap up our week here. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Uh, Thanks to everybody behind the scenes here who did everything this week. I'm proud of Q. Q is out on a remote. He's doing, he's busting his back for this channel and trying to help us take this flagship to the next level. And that's why you listen to Raider Nation Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening again. If you miss any portion of the show, go to lvsportsnetwork.com. And all of our draft interviews are up on the Raiders homepage at raiders.com. Enjoy April Fools. Enjoy this first Friday. Enjoy the final four. And we'll see you back on Monday on Raider Nation Radio.